Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at This is the TRT Community Podcast, where we discuss all things testosterone. I'm Brandon, founder of the TRT Community and host of All Things Testosterone. The TRT Community is a Facebook group of patients helping patients navigate the struggles associated with testosterone replacement therapy. We have educational resources at testosteronepodcast.com, including TRT-related clinical studies and a doctor search tool. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. What's going on, guys? Long time no talk. So, today... Recording in progress. Recording in progress. Today, I am back in the studio with Ken Marple, founder of Matrix Hormones. Um, We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. We're going to kind of get caught up, make up for lost time, and get back into the groove of things after, what, six-month, four-month hiatus... I've got some updates for y'all. Those of you that don't already know, I'll tell you where I've been, what I've been doing, why I haven't been podcasting. Let's hop right into it. Fair warning, I have a feeling Ken's going to jump right on this call and start razzing me out of the gate. He just sent me a text that was complete bullshit. Oh, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that Matrix Hormones is having a special. New patients get $50 off their first order in addition to the $100 initial consultation and $150 or $120 for women, uh, $100 for men. If you use the promo code TRT Podcast, so what you'll do when you sign up at matrixhormones.com, you click the box that says TRT Community slash Testosterone Podcast. You know, I've known these guys for years, and they still don't realize that the name of this podcast is All Things Testosterone. Everything I, every time I send an invitation to Ken, it says you've been invited to join the call with All Things Testosterone, and he still just says you're tes- the Testosterone Podcast. Whatever. Click that box. That gets you the discount on the first appointment. When you have your first appointment, if you decide to order medication and start a treatment regimen, let them know TRT podcast is the promo code, and then you'll get $50 off that order. That's good for orders that are placed by March 15th. So hurry up and sign up because if you don't have lab work, it's going to take, you know, a week to 10 days to get you actually seen for your appointment. And, you know, time goes by fast. Sup? <laughs> so I intentionally did not respond to your bullshit text message for two reasons. One, because when I first started reading it, I thought, holy shit, this sounds like something that could have actually happened to Ken. You know, until I got to the skull crushed coma part, I thought, this is his life. Yes. And, and then, too, I wanted to save it for the show because I figured you'd jump right on and start talking crap. Yeah, I, I just wanted you to read through all of that. Feel bad <laughs> until I said I'm in a coma in a hospital texting you this. But, <laughs> so, but uh, yes, man, Mr. Church, I almost don't recognize you. It's been so long it's, since, I don't know, day before yesterday. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> So I I want to know, like, do you, do you not like being on camera and doing podcasts? Honest question. Don't lie to my audience. I like doing podcasts. I don't mind being on camera. Um, the only thing for me, and I think we discussed this before, I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over. Like yeah. I'm not bringing something more to the table. Yep. Uh, I love it when you you bring in questions from your audience because I feel like I'm addressing exactly what they want to hear. But it feels like me and you have talked about the same thing for so long. I feel like I'm boring. Why, yeah. why keep talking? Yeah, and that's why it becomes difficult for me to keep pumping out episodes too, because it is—it's the same stuff over and over again. 
they eat it up. They love it. They still have questions. And, you know, I've always kind of catered to the, the TRT 101 side of things, mm-hmm. the, the basic stuff. So I get it. Um, I asked the question because one of my talking points is this. I talk a lot about how TRT alleviated all of my anxiety, all of it. And it did. It truly changed my life. But recently, within the last year, year and a half, this podcast is the only major thing in my life that brings me anxiety. Every time I have a chance to postpone an episode or cancel an episode, I'm going to do it. And I don't know why. It's it's perplexing. Finding your equipment? Do what? Finding your equipment? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> half and, here, half there. <laughs> yep, yep. And having to set up a new space every time. But honestly... I'm not a talker. I don't, I, I historically have not been someone that can just sit down and talk. I usually don't give a shit what people have to say. I don't like small talk. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just don't have that, that gene. And so this, yeah, this is difficult. Not with you. That's why I chose you for my comeback episode because you're easy oh. to talk to, but these strangers, I don't want to talk to those nerds. It, and it's, uh, and we've ex- both experienced this sometimes it's almost like pulling teeth. You would think if you had somebody on, they're going to have a lot to say. Yep. And you're there sitting pulling teeth to try to get the conversation. Yep. Uh, did you happen to see changing topics? Did you happen to see um, there was a research study that somebody tried to post in the TRT community? And he actually kind of publicly tried to out me. He said, you know, they don't want the truth out there. They deleted my post. They wouldn't let me post this in the TRT community. He's a, a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant local to me in, in North Texas. And so I um, I don't call people out publicly often, but because, you know, he called me out, I had to post a screenshot of where he had no administrative action taken ever in the TRT community by us, and then it must have been Facebook that deleted his post. The question is, did you see it, and are you familiar with that study? I did not see it, and I don't know what study. Let me look it up, because everyone's talking about how, or he's talking about how it's groundbreaking, and to me, it just, it's it's basic stuff. So, it's controlling polycythemia in TRT patients, and essentially, what he's saying in his study is that Blood blood doesn't get thick if you keep your levels between 605 and, and 1051 total testosterone. Is there anything awe-inspiring about that? Shocking? So the study or he is saying... That's the study. Your hemoglobin and hematocrit, your blood doesn't get go up or your blood doesn't get th- thicker if you keep your testosterone between 6 and... 1,000, somewhere in there. Basically, the goal of the study was to determine how to minimize the secondary polycythemia effect observed in patients on TRT. Um, Yeah, I mean, however, well, let's skip down. Um, Well, I can tell you right now that's incorrect. Which part? Uh, The part that if somebody keeps their testosterone between 600 and 1,000, that uh, they're not going to have higher hemoglobin somatocrits as well as uh, you know, thicker blood and all these different things. That's just completely incorrect. And the first thing you have to go to is what about all the other things that adds to that? So yeah. if you're looking at a study, you can't just say, if you keep your testosterone here, you would have to say, I keep my testosterone here and you have no other uh, diseases, disorders, or outside effects. I could tell you right now, you could have perfectly normal blood and then don't drink water yeah. for a day. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I was sick and I went to the hospital, bad stomach flu, quit the IBS. I became totally dehydrated in four hours. Um, when I got there, they did my blood work, which I had blood work done previously. My hemoglobin hematocrit was a 15 and a 47. When they took it that night, when I went in that they had to give me three IVs and a liter of, uh, mixed Gatorade stuff. Um, when they took it, when I first got there, I was a 51 on my hematocrit and, uh, 18.2 18.2 on my hemoglobin because huh. I, I was vomiting. I was vomiting bile. Yeah, I was just yeah. out of it. So that right there will tell you there's outside influences that going to affect this. With that being said, if we were addressing as many outside influences as we could, and there was no other diseases or disorders uh, attributing to it, it's still not correct. Yeah. Because we take lab work and we've seen patients who haven't even hit 600 yet. 
that were like, we can't even get the testosterone up. Yeah, that's and, me. And this number's going up. So there's a lot of different factors. Um, you know, for me, anybody can research anything. Um, you know, there's a, and I can't think of the name of it, but there's an institute, a well-respected institute of food that gives us our food pyramids, what's healthy for us. All of a sudden, look at the latest pyramid coming from them, cocoa puffs, shredded mini wheats are healthy for us. <laughs> it's no joke. What? It's no joke. It blew up on the news. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into uh, who paid for that research from them. <laughs> uh, but so, you know, research, uh, there's a lot of different factors. What's considered good research is something that's, you know, is peer reviewed, you know, double blind. And there's a lot of other things that go into research, but I'm going to totally, totally disagree with that because, uh, you've been doing this for a long time. You talk to a lot of people, you might've dealt with it. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you pointing to yourself. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, but we, we've seen it in patients, whether they're 600, 800, 400 or 500 on testosterone, their levels are going up, even though, you know, we have them, you know, drinking plenty of water and there's no other outside influences affecting them. So uh, I, I will disagree with that research. And I'm sure if somebody really looked at the research, they could pick it apart. Yeah. But for a person to jump on one piece of research and come out that strongly about it uh, makes me want to question them also. Yeah, I, I was glancing through it thinking that maybe there was more to it that I had missed. And there really isn't. It's one of those single paragraph studies uh, mm -hmm. he did over the course of seven years in his own his own clinic. Um, and there's it, it's there's there's not much to it. It basically just says mm -hmm. that on average, you keep numbers here. And I'm one of those patients, like you said, I, I my trough is somewhere in the six, six fifty range most of the time. And I, I still donate blood. So, yeah, crap. Yeah, um, strange, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what's going on with peptides in the FDA? Where are we at with that? Um, Do you like how I didn't give you these questions beforehand, by the way? Yeah, that's a good <laughs> one. Um, so peptides, uh, our biggest pharmacy um, that we know of, that are the last ones that are still uh, making and distributing most of the peptides, uh, they said as of March 15th, whether they have ingredients left or not, that's that's the end of it. The FDA put out this list that it's uh, they're dangerous. Um, I'll let everybody look at the FDA's way that they came up with that. Uh, but I'll just say that we don't give anybody peptides to an IV 10 times higher uh, uh, or in some case 20, 30 times higher um, that then we would give somebody with with a shot. Um, you rarely see side effects to peptides. You rarely hear problems or complaints about it. But the FDA uh, did their own studies with some different ways that we don't use it and said it could be dangerous. It needs more studies. So we're going to say we don't want you making these anymore. Um, some people will say if they look at that with the FDA saying it's not completely banning it. But uh, if with the pharmacies and the clinics, you know, a little more behind that. If the FDA says we don't like this, even though they're saying you absolutely can't do it they will then come down on you a hundred different ways. They're going to so, be knocking at your door every day. Yeah, exactly. So something. it's, you know, some pharmacies right away say that's it. And they just shut down. Other pharmacies said, we're going to fight it out uh, for a little while uh, because we have ingredients. We have some, you know, to say, Hey, you have to be reasonable and give us this amount of time. We have this much ingredients. And that's kind of what happened. And as of March 15th, it's the hard cutoff. Yeah. That's coming not up to soon. say another pharmacy or outlet might not pop up with something, but as of right now, we it seems like that's it. Yeah, it's completely unrelated because we don't make products for humans. But but I did start with my family, Precision Peptide Co., and we are killing it. I can mm -hmm. I feel like we can feel the the pharmacies shutting down already. I mean, sales you know they're just reaching out constantly. I've got doctors that reach out all the time and I have to say, Hey doc, these, these aren't for humans. I, you know, I can't help you. Um, it's, it's been crazy. Yeah. I, I think you definitely should take somebody out to dinner from the FDA. <laughs> Me? No, no, no. I don't want the FDA knowing who I am. <laughs> all right. So I got, I do have some Facebook questions for you. Let's, let's see what these guys are up to. You know, the one big thing that I'd like to say, Brandon, when I have with research peptides, because as you know, not everybody does research, 
But um, one of my biggest problems I have with research peptides is you don't know what was in them. Yeah. Um, you, you just you don't know what you're getting when you get those research peptides. Um, so that's why I've always tried to steer people away for the safety concerns or, yeah, it could be cheaper, but you're spending your money on something that you don't know it's going to work or not. Yep. Um, but my understanding, there's been a change in that industry. Yeah, there's there's like uh, a new trend. Um, the new industry standard is that you do provide third-party lab testing with your peptides. We certainly do. Uh, there are two main labs. Most of our products we have tested by both labs. Um, you get purity, anything. In fact, I'm about to demonstrate this this week, but anything that comes back with a purity under 99%, I will burn it. I will smash it. I will send it up into the stratosphere like me and you have always talked mm, about. That, that, shit, <laughs> that shit's happening this week. Uh-huh. I got a product back that was 98 point something, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, and we're going to send it up into space. All right. Well, <laughs> that sounds like fun. Um, that was my biggest concerns on why I told people you can't trust them. Plus, they're like you said, they're not for human consumption. They're for research. Um, but, uh, you know, the FDA is the FDA and what they're doing, and people have to make their own choices. Yep. So the, um, the testing is there, like I said, 99% purity. Um, we also look really pretty our our boxes are are you know we're a certain pizzazz i saw a post from a guy recently um where he had a bubble mailer and there were there was just like 20 vials in there loose and that's the way that it came to him just like throwing the vials in we don't do all that you know i've got my wife over here picking out color palettes and designs and everything's put together really well and it looks like you know a legitimate product as opposed to um something that's just wrapped in bubbles and put in an envelope. Mm-hmm. So it's been going Came really well. Fresh out of the bathtub. Right. But, uh... you know, there, there is one company that's wildly popular and they're known as the bathtub boys because they do not send lyophilized product. It's raw powder. So when you get a vial of, of raw peptide, it's, it's like a sprinkle of, you know, material. There's, there's not much there. And, and they're known as the bathtub boys because they, they send out the raw. They're the only ones that I know of that send out raw ingredients and it's like, you know, you get two little salt size sprinkles of semaglutide in a vial and, and that's your five milligrams. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> all of our stuff is lyophilized. It's all sterilized and it's all well tested and it's pretty. Well, congratulations. And I hope a lot of people make their rats healthy. <laughs> Thanks. Facebook questions. What are the odds of keeping natural production while taking 200 milligrams weekly for the last six months without any other medications. I saw this on your site. Did you? I did. Uh, so, and I wanted to say something so bad, but there's so many people talking stuff in there. I was just like, I will let it go. Yeah. Um, highly, highly unlikely. If you're going to stay on the testosterone, um, even if you are taking HCG, uh, even in clomiphene, let's just say you're doing HCG and in clomiphene together, uh, highly unlikely. Now, um, there has been some patients that their testicles kept going as far as semen. They were able to achieve pregnancy, which is usually highly unlikely. It's rare to happen, but it happens. So you would say if the semen could keep going, there's certain guys that maybe the testosterone is still going. Um, the only thing I'm going to disagree with a lot of the answers that went to that person is, oh, you're done with. That's it. You're, you're, you're going to be on testosterone in the left rest of your life. You don't know that. Unless he was diagnosed prior with hypogonadism, where they identified his testicles could no longer produce testosterone, there's always a chance of restarting. And it could be three months, six months, up to a year fully to get them going with a releasing hormone or post cycles, what people call it. Um, but there, there is a chance. And I, I would, you know, where people are like, nope, never going to happen again. I would actually put it more in the category of maybe a uh, 30, 40% chance of happening from what I've seen. Yeah. But there's so many other factors. You know, there's age too. Is it a 25-year-old, 45-year-old? There's all these other factors. But somebody who I say is between uh, 20 and 32, I would give them about 30 to 40% chance. Also, the other thing is how long were you on testosterone? Was it six months, a year, 10 years? So a lot of different factors. Is it really that low, 40% to restart? If if you're just straight on straight testosterone, 
and you've used it for a long period of time, uh, even in the young category, and you didn't use any support, because I think you said there was no support. Yeah, nothing. So uh, there's, I, I would put it in the 40% uh, category. Um, and But when I say restart it, though, so if I said, okay, I'm going to restart you, and I got you 350 milligrams of testosterone production, would you really consider that I restarted you? I mean, that's where I started, right? Yeah, true, true. Uh, but most people are not happy or feel good at that number. Yeah. If you're saying, hey, do you think you can get me, you know, I'm 25 years old, I should at least be at 600 yeah. minimum. That's where it starts getting tougher, that six to 800 of natural production again. But once again, a lot of variables. If I try to take into account all the variables, one, my brain explodes. <laughs> and then two, uh, I, I would still put it at about 40%. Okay. Can you tell I'm in a warehouse right now? No, you have this beautiful little thing behind you that my <laughs> wife has the exact same thing, Does except she? it's a darker color. Yeah. That now I'm thinking, you know, I could have put it right there. Yeah. But <laughs> we could have matched. Well, this is necessary because behind me there's like exposed wiring, conduit, there's a washer dryer connection. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a warehouse. But it sounds there's a little bit of electrical interference, but it doesn't sound terrible. I'm impressed. Uh-huh. Well, you had a mini earthquake when you were talking to me earlier. Yeah, that was me hitting the camera. You hit something. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing was just shaking. <laughs> I intentionally mounted the webcam to a tripod that's off of the table so that I can hit the table and not shake the camera too much. And somehow I hit a camera that's three feet in front of me. I don't know. Well, I'm using, uh, if I seem different, I'm using the webcam that you helped me get and yeah. set up on my computer. Uh, the one thing is, is my monitor is up on a little monitor stand on the desk, and it's a 32-inch monitor. That's why you're looking at the top of my bulging head. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, so I've I've got the same webcam that I'm using. I've just got it perfectly angled and extended with a mm. fancy arm that you don't have access to. So yeah, this is as good as it gets. The video <laughs> and, and audio quality that I'm getting from you is a lot better than normal. We don't have you holding your phone, phone like yeah, this. Yeah, the phone, and if I cover the piece. Yeah, that's why I said let me... Go for it here. Yeah, looks good. Uh, I care nothing about testicle size. This is a question. I, I not oh, me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't care about testicle size. Yeah. I care nothing about testicle size. My wife and I are done with kids. Are there some hidden benefits to taking HCG with my Sipunate injections? Would the pill and clomiphene be a better choice? Doctors go going over all these options today in an appointment, hit a brick wall, and just taking Sipunate for the last three years. What's the hidden? So, yeah, th- that's a huge misconception that I actually made a template for because I had to. I kept explaining in your group about this because everybody's like, if you don't care about testicle size or fertility, you don't need HCG. Yeah. That's not true. Upwards to seventy percent of the men need to be on HCG, cycling HCG, or a cycle once in a while of HCG uh, to support complete atrophy in the testicles. Um, which uh, different men experience different things. It could be low libido, erectile dysfunction, penile desensitivity, delayed orgasms, reduced semen. Uh, So, you know, if you say, well, hey, he doesn't care about fertility, but it still bothers men if they, a drip comes out, you know, they feel like, hey, you know, my wife's upset or something. So uh, HCG will help with all of that. For some guys, it can also help with uh, mood overall, how they feel, and um, also uh, energy, a little bit with energy. You don't see those two as much as the other uh, sexual uh, side effects that can come from it. Yeah, there's there's this wave of guys that will say, you don't, you know, if you don't care about the size of your nuts, you don't need HCG if you're not trying to have. But then there's also three times that many guys that are asking questions about delayed ejaculation or ejaculate volume or desensitized penis or, and it's like, Hey, listen, listen to the answer that we're giving you because you're one of the guys that's screaming that HCG is only necessary if you want kids, but you're also asking these three or four questions and and HCG a lot of times is that answer. And even if you don't struggle with any of those areas, like you said, a lot of guys, that's just kind of the missing piece that they need to, to feel better overall regardless of your ejaculate volume absolutely now you do have to be careful because when you take hcg you can get some everybody's different some estrogen conversion and some prolactin conversion as long as you keep your testosterone below a thousand nanograms a deciliter well it's it's below 998 yeah 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 but but it has to be above 997 um the last part of his question though he asked about enclomiphene uh enclomiphene majority of the time is not as good as hcg 
but it can work. It, it's I prefer it over uh, Clomid or Clomiphene. Um, it, it targets more testosterone production than semen production, which is more what Clomid does with a lot less side effects and risk factors. Um, but it, I haven't seen it be as uh, successful uh, as HCG, but it can be tried if somebody's trying to avoid injection. You can try it, but uh, HCG is usually the, the better route to go. Yeah. Have you ever heard of or used the mushroom drink called Rise? I don't know why that's been popping up everywhere. I've heard it. <laughs> what is it? I haven't heard um, of it. It's so basically there's data, whether it's correct or not. I don't know. Uh, certain mushrooms and different things like that have these great effects that can be on you. All kinds of health effects, cancers and everything else. But there's another big group out there that says mushrooms are not good for you. And there's all their research. Um, I, I have heard about it. I, I've had some patients tell me. They've had success with it. I've had other patients say it made them sick or didn't do anything for them. Um, I don't know enough about it to to rate it, to say if it works or not. Um, but if anything seems like it's the cure-all, it's probably not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Is that, what, is that what they're doing? Is they're pushing it as like the cognitive enhancement, energy, everything? It's an overall do everything uh, for you type thing. Uh, a lot of benefits that... Some of the benefits, they, they, it just I don't see the link. There's some that might be a little bit, but uh, I'm not saying you might not get a little bit from it. It might not help make you a little bit healthy as long as it's not hurting you. Um, but um, I don't I don't get it. You know, I had um, at one point somebody sent me some sort of little little tiny bottle of nasty green sludge, uh, and and wanted to do some sort of partnership with the podcast, and it was some sort of nootropic drink. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like mushrooms necessarily, but I, all it did for me was make me dizzy and nauseous. I would drink that thing, and for the next 20 minutes, I'm just, you know, I'd go load, lay down because with the one foot on the floor like you're drunk because it just mm -hmm. made me sick and, and didn't feel anything from it other than that. Yeah, um, that, that was your reaction. Somebody else might have more, but I don't, I haven't seen enough to say yeah well my reaction is why nobody's ever heard of it on this podcast because i, de <laughs> I declined, declined the deal so you, got, so you got a question about it <laughs> yeah, right uh i've been on trt for a few months and i'm having some weird problems with my legs when i sit on the couch and get up for something my body forces me to stretch and put my arms up tighten up my knees and stretch almost every time it's ridiculous also a lot of nights around two or three in the morning i get these weird pains in my legs and knees kind of like restless legs I didn't have these issues before, and I'm 31 years old, so it's kind of concerning. Has anyone experienced this? Those are some odd, and I would consider rare, side effects if you're on testosterone. I've never seen a link between the two. Um, you know, my first thought starts going to circulation. If his provider didn't tell him, hey, your, your blood could get thicker, your hemoglobin hematic could grow up because your blood's thicker, it flows less and starts, you know, less water to all parts of your body. All these different things can happen. Um, sometimes we need to hydrate more when we're on testosterone. So that would be my two guesses is, is to do a CBC, check your hemoglobin, hematocrit, make sure those are good. Make sure you're staying well hydrated. Um, but off the top of my head, I don't know of a direct link uh, unless um, there's some weird side effects from different oils. Um, cottonseed oil, there's uh, countless side effects you can get immediately or long-term on that. Um, that can be some uh, uh, attributed to cottonseed, but even grapeseed, if somebody has some type of, uh, he's not fully allergic to it, but has some type of intolerance, the, the more he's taking it, you can build up and get some of these weird things. Um, but those are the things that I would look into. Okay. When you guys talk about sensitive nipples, what exactly does sensitive mean? Sore, erotic, ticklish? The reason the reason I have asked is that mine have hurt, burned most of my life. The cold is the worst. Pain so bad I almost wanted to cry. I hate women who touch them. It's a complete turnoff. I'll break up with you or leave you if you do it again type thing. T-shirts while doing extreme activities suck. This is a lot of information. What are we talking about with sensitive nipples and why does that happen? It could be due to high estrogen, high prolactin, or the combination of both. It could be gynecomastia. You don't have to be on testosterone 
to have gynecomastia or either one of those be high. Um, I definitely would see your provider about it because all of those things he just told me, especially breaking up with a girl over it, uh, uh, you shouldn't be having. If That's it's too that much. bad, too much. you shouldn't have anything like that. And you, you might want to look into it because over time, not only can it become worse, but they can start to become enlarged and you get some uh, tissue deposits and hardening in there and things like that. Yep. That's too much erotic. Do, when I say my nipples hurt, do I mean erotically? I don't think so. No, like uh, sensitivity to the shirt, like you mentioned, pins yeah. and needles, uh, burning, uh, constantly uh, hard uh, nipples. It's usually not uh, erotically, because if it was erotically, that usually means it feels good. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're into really something out Candle there. Candle wax and stuff. <laughs> and yeah, like that episode. Did you ever watch The Office? No. I oh, don't man, that's a good one. What are you doing? I, I just watched the snippets of it that comes on TikTok. Well, there's one where that's one of great. them, they're like running some sort of marathon and, you know, he's got the, the Band-Aids and he's chafing and, you know, uh-huh. that's that's the kind of sensitivity I, I imagine. Post-marathon sensitivity. There you have it. Dosing. So something that I've noticed about pharmacies is that they like to send their products reconstituted. And they like to speak in terms of units, take X amount of units. When realistically, well, I guess let me back up. So then, you know, something like the FDA banning peptides comes along and people want to know how to dose their peptides for their lab rats. And they have no idea where to start because they've been taking units this whole time. And, and units means nothing, you know, in, in terms of, of a dose, it's just a piece of the puzzle. So can you explain, or I guess I have a question for you. If I have a 10 milligram vial of semaglutide, what happens when I add, let's say, one milliliter of bacteriostatic water? How much, how many milligrams of semaglutide do I have at that point? This is not, a trick, have, not a trick question. <laughs> okay. So if you add one milliliter to 10 milligrams, how many milligrams? I'm assuming, though, because you're giving. You, there's one piece of missing information is usually when we get something, we're told milligrams to ML. So basically you're going to see MG slash ML. Yep. So usually it will say 10 milligrams slash ML. So if you add it one ML, you have 10 milligrams. What if, what if I add two MLs, not, not slat, not milligrams slash ML. How many total milligrams of semaglutide do I have? If I add two MLs in the so then you're cutting in half and you're five. Five Total in the vial, not per mL. You see, you're stuck on doctor talk. You're you're thinking milligrams per mL. I'm talking total. The bottle's milligrams. always going to have ten milligrams. There, in. that right there, boom. The bottle okay. is always going to have ten milligrams, right? So people people don't get that, and they're like, "Well, what if I do this?" Well, I didn't get that because yeah, that was that's, probably the way I was. That's default. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I didn't think I I would have to say that. Yeah. So thank you because <laughs> maybe I might have to say that later on. Um, by default, it's always 10 milligrams. You might cut it up per ml all over the place. Yeah. You can put four mls, you can put eight mls, and that's going to break down your milligrams per ml, but it's always going to add up to 10 milligrams in yeah. that bottle. Even just, e- even just right here in this conversation, there's, there's confusion. People, people just can't, they can't get it. And I did a video on TikTok recently where I talked about how if I had a 10 milligram vial, Actually, I think this is one that my audio didn't work on. I may not have posted it. But if I had a 10 milligram vial and I put one milliliter of water into it, I still have a 10 milligram vial. And if I put that 10 milligram vial into a swimming pool, there's still 10 milligrams in that swimming pool, assuming nobody else has come along and also dumped their 10 milligrams in there. 10 milligrams is 10 milligrams. It stays 10 milligrams. And if you need to... Always 10 milligrams in a bottle. If you need to dose from a swimming pool, well, that sucks. But like there, there's your water. There's your... 0.0000000000001. Still 10 milligrams total. And then that's the first step in my opinion of explaining how to reconstitute, how to dose, how to figure out what you're drawing. Because So in your particular case, if I move away from the clinic and the pharmacy thought of it, um, your bottle, 10 milligrams, 30 milligrams, five milligrams, it's always going to be that milligrams, no matter how you cut it up. Exactly. The only thing you are now changing and adding to the equation is when you put the water in there, now you're saying it has one, it has one milliliter of water in it. 
So now it's 10 milligrams per milliliter. Yep. If you put two milliliters, now it's five milligrams per milliliter. So you're making that equation now that changes it, which helps with dosing, but there's still always going to be that 10 milligrams in there. Yep. If that's what you start. You're with. just changing the concentration a little bit. And, and that's the, sure. the number one question a peptide company owner is asked. And my answer is, hey, these aren't for humans. These are for scientific research. So I can't answer that question for you. Well, you, you still, though, if you're injecting for research purposes into a rat, you have to know how to dilute it and how much you're going to give it. Yeah. You can kill a rat just like you can kill a person or make a rat sick. So yeah. um, you, you do have to figure that part out. But, uh, you know, one of those things is, is, for example, if you were getting 10 milligrams of something from me and you were mixing it with 4 mLs, which means it's 2.5 milligrams per mL, and they got your 10 milligrams and they mixed it with four mLs, it's still 2.5 milligrams per mL. And if you were taking 20 units of mine, take 20 units of yours to the rat. That's yeah. what you'd be given to the rat if you're trying to get that uh, uh, dosing uh, done there uh, for research. But um, it can get confusing. I mean, and we, we talked about this day one, one day, I think we were talking about you know injecting and stuff is to really confuse people. Um, if I said 20 units, it's the same as 0 0.20 cc, which is the same as 0 0.20 <laughs> ml. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, so it can really get a little bit confusing there with all of that. Um, I tell people to make it easy when they're looking at something. If they're taking something that's 0 0.20 cc or ml, that means you look on your syringe and it's 20. It's 20 yeah. on the syringe. 0.50, 50 on the syringe. Yeah. Here's where everybody gets confused. If you're point, if 0 0.10 is 10, but then you see 0 0.05. Oh, that's 50. Yep. No, that's yep. five. Yeah. And, and I've seen people confuse the, the 0 0.05 for the 50 mm -hmm. and take half of a milliliter of whatever the medication mm -hmm. was. And it, you're right. That That's another one. And I get asked that all the time in the form of, uh, okay, so what is what is 10 units? Well, 10 units is 10 units. Well, what's 10 units on my one milliliter syringe? Well, it, it's to the 10. Well, I don't actually have one milliliter. I have 0.5. So what's 10 units? 10 fucking units is 10 fucking units. It doesn't matter if you've got a 100 milliliter syringe or a half, you know, a 30.3. Uh, it's, it's, all, it's all the same. It's still 10 units. Uh, all of those are units on there. So whether you drop from 100 to a 50 to a 30, it's still units. Um, the only difference you're going to see is with the 30 and a 50, they're going to go in increments of five and on a hundred, you're going to go in increments of 10. So if you had a, a syringe that was 50, you're going to see five, 10, 15, 20, and so on, or 30. If you had a 100 unit syringe or one CC syringe, you're going to see an in increments 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. You'll see the hash mark in between the 10 and 20. It just won't say 15 or 25, but it's showing you where that midpoint is. Yeah. And I think that the struggle is that people don't understand because it's very simple math when you're talking about reconstituting dosing and syringes. It's all very simple. They don't understand the question. They don't understand what they're trying to solve for. So I've been trying to back it up and say, this is what you're trying to figure out. It's no, let's say we're meal prepping and you need, you, you want to incorporate apples into your diet. You want, you've got five apples or five milligrams and you want to eat one apple per day, how long are the apples going to last you? Well, they're going to last you five days. If you've got five milligrams and you take one milligram per day, it's going to last you five days. And, and I really have to back it up to that logic because people just don't understand what problem they're trying to solve for. They're just like, well, I don't know, I'm taking 20, 20 units. Well, what we've seen in the clinic is they want the complete answer to all of it. They don't realize they're somewhat separate and somewhat together. Um, you know, I tell somebody, if you want to know how long your bottle is going to last, if you know how much you take every day or every week, and then you know how much you have in your bottle, you simply divide it. Yeah. If you take 20 units a week, take that, divide it into your four milliliter bottle, that's how many weeks it's yeah. going to last. Uh, usually what I do is if I'm looking, if I'm taking a daily shot, say five daily and you know i do five times seven that's my weekly and then divide it in there that once again gives me 
how many weeks that bottle is going to last. And you can uh, what do scares that. scares people is they, they're going to over-dilute it, they're going to under-dilute it, they're going to overdose themselves on it. There's a lot of steps there that can be confusing. And, you know, we're, we're kind of bouncing back between the clinic and, and human use and research, you know, but you, know, you start overdosing all your, your rats, that can be expensive. You can ruin your research. If somebody, we were just talking about the research earlier that you saw, somebody came to you, well, I did all my rats like this, but you had the wrong dosing. Yeah. Um, none of your research is going to mean anything. Yep. Yep. And, you know, then, then the product look bad, looks bad too because, well, this mm-hmm. product made me sick. Well, yeah, but it made you sick because you're an idiot and, and you did it wrong. Well, and, you know, we, we mostly get um, 0. 0.05 is 50, but sometimes we get 0. 0.50, which is 50. Somebody will take five and say, this is not working. And we're like, well, okay, how much do you have left in the bottle? Well, I barely used any. Something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you and, start backtracking. Yep. And it's the opposite with research peptides. So generally the, the pharma grade stuff, you get giant, you know, 10 milliliter or bigger bottle yep. and you've got 10 milliliters in there. Well, with peptides, you're getting a two or three mill, milliliter vial and you're putting half or one cc of water into it. So it, it's a real flip, you know, on the pharma side, it's like, well, you're taking a hundred units and then you take the same for your rat medication or peptide uh, from research and you're taking 10 units. And so there's a big discrepancy there as well. It can be, it, it depends on what numbers you're working with. If you usually have four milliliters in a bottle and now you have a bottle that holds three milliliters, I would put two milliliters in it because then all you do is you just double the concentration. So you, you cut your injection in half. If you were taking 20, now you just take 10 yeah. and it's the exact same as you were taking before. So sometimes you want to think it out a little bit um, when you go to mix it, if you were using something from a different source and then you're using this to make it the easiest conversion. Yep. You can actually, like you mentioned a minute ago, uh, how long are my milliliters going to last? You can do the same thing if you, if you know what your dose is in milligrams, just divide, you know, 10 milligram mm-hmm. vial by one milligram dose. And then you can, you know, same inf- or different information, but you can also tell how long it's going to last. Mm-hmm. Do you prescribe a lot of MOTC? MOTC? Yeah. Um, we have it, to be honest with you. Um, people, there's certain peptides they prioritize and say, well, this is the cost I'm willing to spend it. MOTC is a great product but it just wasn't there for what people wanted to spend the money yeah. on for yeah. it. Um, but it, it is a great product. It has a, it's been proven. It's been around a very long time. Um, but in, in legal rounds with the pricing and stuff, people prefer to spend their money on the CJCs and the IGFs and the BPCs, things that were, you know, making them stronger, faster, healthier, an injury or something like that over MOTC. You know, you're not going to take MOTC and next week come on your show and be, oh, man, I'm, I'm healed. Yeah. You know, MOTC is more of something you take longer term yeah. that has overall health benefits. Uh, Kayla's rat started taking it. She took. She's only her rat's a female, so she's only in uh, two doses, and it was remarkable, the difference. I mean, in oh. her energy. And now, probably for most, it's subtle, but she's got pretty low energy levels anyway. And it was mm-hmm. like she was able to do her whole day and, and kick butt at precision and then also at home and then still have some of in the tank, and I was amazed. I had never never messed with it before, but it was, it was good stuff. That's awesome. And she could be really sensitive to it also. Everybody's different on their sensitivities to different medications. You hear it all the time. Somebody will take something. It, it's the best thing since bread. And then somebody else would be like, I, yeah. I, I really need nothing. You know? that, that's how I <laughs> but, am with like the, the HGH secretors. I don't, you know. You're, you're difficult. Say right <laughs> you're difficult. Everything about you is difficult. <laughs> those, those peptides that you have to take for six to 12 months and it's real subtle and, you know, oh, this will help you later by, you know, a prolonged period of growth hormone. It's like, eh, I don't, I don't, I don't like them. Well, look, you're 72 and I think you look great. So <laughs> it's working. I have so. started taking, uh, copper stuff for my skin so we'll see how that goes pt141 now this i had i had never messed with it um i've i've messed around with cialis and sildenafil and you know well sildenafil sildenafil um through like sponsorships like blue chew back in the day with the podcast and, and things like that and i was always granted didn't need them but i was always like meh you know maybe it's cool maybe it's not um PT-141, however, gave me an erection that lasted so long that I actually thought I was going to have to go to the emergency room and have them pump the blood out of my wiener. 
Congratulations. <laughs> I, I, was, I was scared. You almost got a, a 10 p.m. text from me. Like, what, what am I supposed to do with no pictures or anything? But, like, what am I, what am I supposed to do? I would say you put on a loose hoodie, <laughs> uh, run to your local pharmacy, get the Sudafed that's behind the counter, uh-huh. and take a bunch of that. Really? Would so, that do it? The active ingredient in Sudafed is the same thing they make. Uh, we call them rescue valves. Some people take penile injections. Yeah. And when they get that, they get a rescue valve. Uh, and the ingredient that's in there is the same ingredient in Sudafed. Of course, when you inject it in your penis, it's much more effective. Yeah. But some men have saved a trip to the hospital by just taking. But you got to remember, it has to be the Sudafed that's behind the counter, not the stuff that's over the, the yeah. counter out there. Uh, they control it now because you can put it in meth also. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, yes, it has worked for a lot of men to, to take that edge off. Is it more powerful than a Cialis or, or Viagra? It's not supposed to be. Really? But I've heard stories like this. So I would say, uh, you know, overall it's not, but there's some people that it really, really helps, especially if you don't have – you know, major issues, you know, so you would, you would fall into a category of, Hey, you're looking for a little boost, but you really weren't having problems and it worked really well on you. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it was, um, it was about two and a half, maybe approaching three hours and started like, eh, this is, this is kind of worrisome. I don't know what, you know, long-term preopus nerve damage, all that stuff. Well, uh, usually they say four hours, but they usually say that with the Cialis and Viagra's. This is a little bit different on the way it works, where the other ones drive blood into the penis and it can lock up. Um, but uh, usually, it's most of the time it's four hours. They tell you if it's still rock hard in four hours, you know, seek help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's guys who've actually went twelve hours, twenty-four hours, forty-eight hours because they were embarrassed putting ice on it, cold showers and stuff. Yeah. Um, and people don't realize don't. Don't mess with that. A little embarrassment is nothing compared. You can do permanent damage to your penis, have permanent ED, you know, not working at all. I mean, there's a lot of horrible things that could happen. Don't, don't let it go like that. That's, yeah. it's, it's insane. At least try the Sudafed thing. It, it, you know, loose sweater, go to the emergency room, just go for it. Loose sweater. Why not go with like the, the, the binder, you know, like we're in high school again, you're holding your book bag in, in front of you, that kind of thing. A little obvious, but okay. <laughs> so, I, I thought I was a genius in high school. Uh, yeah, everybody looked and was saying, hey, he's hiding his boner. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, like I said, who, who cares uh, about the embarrassment we're talking about? the future quality of your penis here. <laughs> yeah. What can you tell me about BPC uh, 157 or TB 500, like the, the inner workings of what it's doing, how it's working? Both great products, both products they've seen under microscope. Uh, the molecules actually attached to the injured area. So it's one of those peptides is the opposite of what we tell you. We usually say everything goes in your stomach. We usually say, try to find some body, a fatty spot, wherever it could be, say it's your shoulder, a good pl- place is usually right in, I don't know if you can see that, right in the uh, triangle of your armpit or in the back, using most of us can pinch back there. Try to inject uh, in some fat, a little bit of fat closest to the injured area. TB500 is more the boin- bone and joint. BPC is more the soft tissue um, uh, healing. It, you know, Combining them, they do both complement each other. Um, you know, you could say, well, I have no bone problems, but when you use them together, TB is mainly bone, secondary, a little bit of tissue. BPC is flipped. When you use them together, I'll be honest with you, one of the most powerful, uh, blends of healing that I've seen. Of course, everybody's experience is different, but I'm saying overall, when you look at something like that, it's not a steroid. It's not something from the Russian archives (laughs) that we don't know about. Uh, and you mix these products, tremendous success. I've had people say, I'm, I was told I had to get surgery. I'm, I'm okay. I'm not going to get surgery. Some people say, hey, I still have problems, but now I can put surgery off. Um, so t- two amazing products when you, you mix them. And it's one of the, uh, like I said, the only peptides that they actually can say, hey, we look under a microscope. We can see it attaching to the injured uh, area. You can inject it in your stomach. And of course it is going to, someone's going to make it there, but of course you're going to lose some along the way. You got bad knees, you got joints. If shoulders are best, 
is the injured area, get as close as it to you as you can for those injections. Same thing if it's a knee, some fat behind the leg there, as close as you, you can. So you're saying that it, it will, if you inject it uh, three feet away from the site, it's going to bind up along the way and then you're going to get less effect. You're going to lose some along the way. You're going to lose some to some other injured areas, bad joints and things along the way. So you're not going to get as much of that molecule to where the injury is. So that's why I say always inject. You know, I have some people, every joint in my body hurts. That's when I want to take it. Well, okay, then that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it, you, you can inject it that way and build up over time. Um, usually these products, they usually say use about three months and take a break. There's some people that do four. You lose a little bit of the effectiveness as you go uh, to the point where it says it doesn't make sense. Like if you, when you start getting the five, I think you start losing 70 to 80%. Somebody could say, well, hey, you're still getting 20 to 30% healing. But for the price, it, it's yeah. better just to take a break. And if you break for four to six weeks, then I guess you start back over closer to 100%. Usually, usually about six to eight weeks is usually the break time, and then you can restart the cycle. Uh, or you can also take something different in between that. You say, hey, I want to you know, uh, start taking CJC or any IGF, any of these other products you can't you know all of these are stackable you can start cjc you know in between a lot of times what i'll do is i'll have somebody take something for if it's three month cycles they'll be on for three months and they'll flip to another one three months cjc and for more is a little different because you can actually take that one for nine months um but like you know you, they can flip through some of these other ones that are three months they just rotate every three months through them trying to get uh, kind of the best of all worlds I see, um, you know, people ask all the time, what can I, what can I stack together? Can I take this with this? Something that I see on a daily basis, multiple times each day is people that are taking their rats that are taking terzepatide and semaglutide at the same time. And I've advised against it. I don't recommend it. You're going to kill your rat. Yeah. You're going to have one healthy rat. They're essentially doing the same thing, right? And and you're going to end up with, uh, insulin issues and what what's the danger there you can drop your insulin too much you're wasting money terzipatide is glp1 semaglutide is glp1 uh terzipatide also has glp2 um so um it, it definitely when you're injecting like that uh you can end up having side effects where if you just use one you might not have side effects but using two is causing the side effects as well as having insulin levels that are too low that can cause a whole new level of problems. It makes no sense yeah. whatsoever. There's some people who are diabetics or just they can't take high enough doses of the, say, terzipatide or semaglutide. Well, they take a metformin. Metformin with one of those is used pretty frequently, especially for diabetes. Uh, but they're two different ways they're working, two different medications, one's oral, one's injectable. That's a little bit different. I don't recommend that to, to people to just say, hey, oh, I'm just going to pump up on both of these. Yeah. Take one or the other. There's there's really no need to take semaglutide and terzipatide at the same time. And there's a new one coming out down the road that's going to have a third. I think you've heard about it, too. I never remember the name of it. I Is know it, it the R? An R. Retutatide or something? Yeah. Retutatide or something that's supposed to be, it's going to be the next best thing. Like when terzipatide came over, semaglutide, that one is just going to blow them away. It's it's GLP-1, 2, and one other thing that I can't remember. You know, you mentioned side effects, and it is crazy to me, but people people judge the effectiveness of the semaglutide, terzipatide on the side effects. I have seen you know, in the groups, hundreds of people say, oh, this place is great. It made me so sick. This place is not great. I felt no sides. And that to me is, I understand the logic. That's the dumbest shit. Like, why are you taking so much of it that you're sick for a week? And are you getting off on that? Like what, what, like, you know what I mean? It, what's the deal? It's, well, there's, there's different factors that do it. Uh, some people are just sensitive to it and get side effects. Some people are going too fast. They didn't allow their body to adjust to it. Some people, they've just gotten too high for their body to tolerate. And then a lot of people, a lot of people, because I had somebody call me and say, oh, man, you know, I've been taking this semaglutide for eight, nine months. I'm having bad side effects. Oh, did you raise your dose? No, it's the same side. Same thing. All right. And I know the first thing to go to, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, his friend's birthday party. We had, you know, all eat steakhouse. I had some beers. We had a bunch of cake, and I'm like, 
you're not having the side effects of semaglutide. You ate all the things you're not supposed to. Your gut's moving slow. It's sitting there. Have a good 48 hours. You'll feel better. <laughs> um, you can make it bad enough where it, it's so painful and backed up that you can end up in the emergency room. It's like an IBS uh, sort of thing. But people have to, re- I tell, I preach this all the time. Small meals throughout the day, try to avoid large meals. And if you're going to cheat, be ready to feel the side effects. And if you're doing it, let's just say you take your shot on Friday, get ready for hell. You take your shot on Monday, you're already coming into that that drop zone. It might be a little less, but everybody, again, wants it. You know, you could be taking that semaglutide or tazipatide and you eat like a horse. You're still losing weight. And you're like, ah, I don't get any side effects. Somebody has one pepperoni and is throwing up. Yeah. Sensitivity. Um, but uh, y- yes, they can have side effects. Um, the I would say the biggest, the two that, that are tied is either they went too fast on their dosing, they went up and didn't let their body adjust, or they're eating food that's setting it off. They're looking for it in the research world. I mean, if they're not, if their rat's not throwing up, they're going to tell everyone that that product doesn't work. I think they should get out of the research world. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Well, that's mostly all I have. I already mentioned uh, the Matrix $50 off first order uh, before you... Wait, we got $50 off? Yeah, bruh. Where are you at? Yeah. Right, for the sign? Yeah, if you mention TRT Podcast, uh, it's a $50 credit towards your first purchase in addition to the you know $100... The sign-up discount they get yeah. through TRT Community. Yeah. Did you really wow. not know about that, or are you playing it up for Somebody's this? being generous at my company. <laughs> No. Yeah, I knew about it. You know, there's different things we got uh, going on. I don't know if you mentioned it. We're coming up with some loyalty programs, too, because we really appreciate Yeah, I didn't mention that. Patience. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to be coming up with, uh, hopefully here soon, a loyalty program. So the longer you're with us, you get some discounts. Coming through the TRT community, there'll be some additional discounts, uh, not just kind of promos, like ongoing discounts. So, you know, we, we came up with the kind of monthly split payment things that a lot of people were asking for. Um, that's kind of rolling out now that just rolled out at the beginning of February where it can split up the payments uh, to their medications. So there's a lot of big things on the horizons, but we're so thankful um, for our patients, your community, um, that we wanted to come up with something to give back. And it, it's not going to be like, hey, $2 off your order. It's going to be some substantial loyalty programs coming up that we'll be rolling out soon. Yep, yep. Glad you mentioned those things. I wasn't, I wasn't sure where we were at on like loyalty and, and things like that. But those are things that I've always really pushed for. Not you know at you or at Matrix, just in general. I well, you did hold my arm behind my back and say <laughs> do this. Don't want to say I mean, anything. <laughs> so, so many, and not necessarily podcast listeners, but so many of the TRT community guys are blue collar. They. You know, it is difficult for them to afford the the pricing structure where you pay for the medication at the time and then you don't have a monthly payment. They almost need you to break up that payment for them. And I think this is going to be major, major, huge, not just for Matrix, but for those patients that just can't afford that bigger charge once every 10 or 12 weeks. I think it'll yeah, do. And that, that has actually already started. All they have to do is ask their specialist or support, whoever they're talking to, for the split payment program. They can do that. We do have some uh, non-controlled substances online, weight loss stuff. That is monthly payments. You can do monthly with uh, uh, some of the different weight loss products, like OBs, Mix, uh, uh, the Semis, uh, all those other different ones um, that they can do the monthly. Um, we thought it was very important to give something back to people. You know, I have been with people for 12 years or more that have been with me um, to give back for all of those people, all of the, the community support. Um, but, uh, you know, also we know every, everybody, I don't know if everybody knows, last year was a tough year for this industry, for clinics, for pharmacies, the DEAs, the FDAs. A lot of people don't realize this October and November, some of those things, those extensions are wearing off. Um, there's a lot of licenses. They're coming up states. They want telemedicine license now controlled substance license, which somebody would say, well, that's what your DEA, DEA license is. Yeah, but now the states want their own license for that state. So uh, expenses are flying up and also cost of goods are going to go up because of what they're doing to the pharmacies. Um, we've always tried to control it. There's been countless uh, uh, things that have went up that we've been trying to hold our prices and we'll continue to hold our prices, but we thought it was still important to get people on the uh, 
monthly payment programs as well as the loyalty programs because our economy is not uh, in great shape either. It's, yeah. you know, none of our fault. I won't say whose fault it is, but uh, <laughs> so uh, um, so we're, we've got a lot of good things coming up that hopefully can help uh, your community and our patients. Cool. Any parting words? Um, just thank you for what you do. Thank you for your community. Thank you for uh, the patients. Um, keep the questions coming. Um, and any suggestions or or things that your community wants to make, whether it's to you or to Matrix, uh, we like to hear them um, because it only improves things and helps things. That's how a lot of these things we're doing is the feedback from your community. Um, so keep them coming. And we just thank everybody uh, for being patient with us or, or being part of your community. And thank you for what you do. And you want them to email you directly, right? Yes, email you directly. <laughs> and, uh, it's TRT Community, Brandon Church. Um, <laughs> hey, rather than wait six months to do this again, what do you say in the next couple of weeks we get together and I'll just run off like 25 community questions at you? That's great. That, uh, some of the, it, to this point of where we're at, we were talking about repeating the same stuff. For me, whenever you're asking questions, even though some of the questions are repeat questions, it feels fresh because there's so many different scenarios yeah. for people. So I would love that. We'll definitely uh, schedule something and we'll do it. Cool. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. You too. Bye. There you have it. Thank you for listening to the TRT Community Podcast. You can find us online at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TRT Community. 